Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast for another playground session with Tim and Jacko. And today we have the great pleasure of having a fantastic guest, our friend Alex Nino, or Nino, who is a um, handstand specialist, extra movement extraordinaire from London. So he loves to do a bit of handstands every now and again. But Alex uh, Nino, pronounced uh, correctly from me for once, um, is actually from Colombia. So I'm sure you're going to get a sense of that Colombian accent in uh, throughout the podcast. And I think that's pretty much the last accent that Jacko is going to do for the duration of this podcast. And maybe (laughs) one more when he tries to introduce it. So just sit through that one, but there aren't going to be too many more ropey impressions of accents coming up later on. But if you want to get into calisthenics training, guys, the only other thing we would love you to do after you've listened to the podcast is head over to the virtual classroom. We've got a load of information in there. We've put all the content that we've generated over the years into one place. If you want to learn specific calisthenics movements or just improve basic strength and become part of the community and engage with other like-minded people, it's all in there and we would love it if you would just go and check it out. Yeah, so we, uh, with no sort of further ado, we're going to get into Alex Nino's um, uh, interview podcast with us um, where you're going to find out how uh, and probably be quite surprised that he hasn't been doing handstands as long as you might think from his Instagram profile and uh, you're going to take away a lot of hints, tips and motivation and inspiration from Alex Nino. So sit back, relax and enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Alex Nino, or as the uh, Spaniards or Colombians would say, Nino. Is that right, Alex? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Nino. I know this. Yes. Um, So absolutely um, our pleasure to have you on the podcast. And um, I know that a lot of our, uh, we've had a lot of questions in for you. We've got some some questions lined up uh, ourselves. But just talking before we went on to to recording uh, the podcast with you, we just were talking a little bit about hearing more around your background of um, how you, your training background, how you got into doing some handstands. It's a fascinating story and it probably isn't um, isn't what people might think seeing your videos of you coaching, teaching and doing handstands yourself. Now, you, you've come from a, um, a, a, a different uh, place in terms of powerlifting, uh, powerlifting bodybuilding. And um, so just so to give people a bit of that context, it just um, if we can just kick off with you, just just letting us know a bit about that background story, how you got into, um, how you come to the UK for, for starters, and then how you got into doing um, handstands and everything in between. Yeah, we okay, man. I can tell you all that. It's a long story, though. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, let's just start with um, back home in Colombia. Um, I grew up in pretty much in the countryside, so there were no more white phones, there was no there was no computers, there was no technology. I'm talking about thirty-five years ago. Um, so I just used to run wild, go through rivers, mountains, you know, running up and down the you know, yeah. the trees and climbing and doing all sort of things. Um, very active always. Uh, very naughty, always getting myself hurt because doing all sort of stuff. Um and I was pretty much that when as I grew up in the school, I used to play football and then I went to, let's say, uh, play bas- basketball, volleyball. We used to run 10K, 5K, 20K. We used to do swimming, cycling. So very outdoor life. Yeah. Um, and I was up to 22 years old. Then I, I, was, I was studying physical education. And I decided to come to England to study English for nine months. 
So I put my university on hold. I came to England for nine months, but um, I decided that it, it was, you know, I come from a very small village. People are very close-minded. They, you know, just like, they live every day the same, life every day is the same. And once being in London for nine months, uh, you know, I did a bit of traveling. I met so many interesting people, different languages, different cultures, food. It was crazy for me, like, wow, this is this is insane. Yeah. So I decided to, to stay here longer. Um, and then I just, you know, it's been now, what, 20 years since I left. I mean, I go often, I go and see my, my parents, you know, my mom, yeah. my brother, my sisters, I go and see them, I would say once a year. Um, but yeah, that was it. So, and, and, and then once I go into London, um, the winter hit me really hard. So I would not go outside in winter to, to climb trees or to run. <laughs> I do now, I do now, but, uh, but it was, it was, it was hard. I come from a place where the, the temperature is about 28, 30, five degrees a day, every day, you know, it's summer every day. It yeah. rain, any day can rain, uh, but that's always that sort of weather. So coming here in winter, we're like, wow. Even though it was really hard, but I, I, I love the, the, the transitions of the, of the seasons. Yeah. I think it's stunning, and I, I love London, I, and this is a very, people might think you're crazy to love London, but I, I do actually. I think it's an amazing place. Yeah, so many opportunities. Mm, definitely. And then you said you were saying before that we got got on air that um, you training wise you were doing bodybuilding and powerlifting and then back to bodybuilding, just doing a lot of traditional sort of weight based um, strength training. Yes, that was um, so because the weather was quite bad outside, so I decided to join the gym. At that time was uh, LA Fitness. I remember in uh, in Baker Street. I remember yeah. very clear. So I joined that gym and I go into the, um, uh, I go a few sessions and I got a program like, you know, you do like chest one day with buses and then you do back and triceps and, and, and the conventional stuff. Uh, I was quite skinny actually and I go into the bodybuilding. Uh, I used to buy like proteins, creatine, pre-workouts, <laughs> post-workouts, you spend hundreds of uh, pounds on, on supplements, which uh, I, I, I believe they did a good job at that time because I wanted to put weight on. I went from let's say 70 kilos to about the heaviest I was was 88 kilos. What are you now? Out of interest. Uh, at the moment I'm 82, 82, 83 is pretty much my, my weight stays there. In winter I got up to let's say 84, 85 because I a bit more. But uh, when the spring comes, we, um, that's and so, summer, so much then I tend to, to lose a bit of weight. <laughs> yeah. How tall are you? Um, 180, so it's 5'11. Yeah, similar, similar to me. Mm. Nice. And yeah. then, so how long, what, what, what transitioned you then into um, going away from weights and into to handstands and sort of yoga, more type movements? Um, and how long ago was that? That was, um, so the transition happened is that from doing so much pumping and trying to lift very heavy, it was, I focused on bench press, deadlift and a squat for about two years. Yeah. And that was pretty much what I was doing. Uh, I did lift, you know, some decent weights. Uh, and I had back, back injuries, I had shoulders, I had knees. It was quite, you know, it was in a very healthy body. Yeah. You know, yeah. big, strong, but was he very healthy, you know? So, and then I went back to, um, I did some weight lifting too, and I went back to bodybuilding. And then, and then one day I just looked through the, through the yoga studio, through the window, and I saw a lot of legs doing this. 
And I was thinking, oh, that is very interesting. So I went to check it out and it was just people doing hashtags. Um, and I, I said, oh, that looks very cool. That looks very interesting. Um, and at that time, my daughter had um, a space in the, in the London School of uh, Circus School, it's called, or yeah. Circus Space, something like that in, in Old Street. And she was talking about that she was being taught how to do handstand. And it was at the same time, it was pretty, pretty much at the same time that I saw this guy doing handstand, and then my daughter's talking about handstand. I was thinking, oh, it would be nice to, to learn how to do a handstand so I can show or I can impress my daughter, <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, so I spoke to the, to the teacher of that class, and um, I asked him, oh, would you be able to teach me how to do handstand? And he said, yeah, of course I can teach you. Uh, he's a yoga teacher, you know, he's amazing at doing handstand, but he's a yoga teacher. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we, we organized a session, we went through the sun salutation, the breathing in, out, you know, calm. Uh, we did some hip openers, back bends, and then uh, it was like 45 minutes, 60 minutes in the class. And I was thinking, like, where, where, where am I handstand? I want to do handstand. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, but in the other side, I, I was feeling quite, you know, quite nice. It was quite relaxed and it was, it was a very good session. Yeah. We did some handstands, um, let's say five or 10 minutes out of, 75 minutes with the handstand. We did so many other things. Yeah. And when I finished the class, I felt so good. It was, I don't know, it was just like on a high. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, this is, even though I didn't really do many handstands, but it was actually a really nice thing to move in a different way, move with the breathing. Uh, and I kept on doing more, more uh, yoga. So I, it was pretty much sort of yoga what I was doing. Yeah. I was just kicking against the wall, trying to do a handstand, you know, I spent, it took me six. It took me about six weeks to be able to kick up against the wall. I was yeah. absolutely petrified. Like honestly, I was so scared of kicking, and I and I was a big guy, you know. Yeah. There yeah. is something I will never remember. Sure. It took me. You look like um like a Ferrari with a four Fiesta engine. <laughs> <laughs> You know, muscle, chest, six five, lean, strong. But I, I was just scared. I couldn't even touch my toes. I couldn't even, you know, from a bridge position, I could not extend my arms. I could not lift my head off the floor. Yeah. So bad, really bad. So it was like a slap on my face. And then I started doing that. We were doing uh, three hours of yoga weekly. We did it for about eight months. And, and my body just opened quite a lot, a lot. Uh, and I just kept on doing it. Um, learned so much from him. I still keep in contact with him. Uh, he's one of the, he's, I think he's the first uh, Dharma yoga teacher in the UK. His name is, his name is uh, Mark Khan. He's an absolute legend. He's very dedicated to his practice. So as a yoga teacher, he's a top, top, top yoga teacher. So I learned from this guy so much. Um, and that was amazing because now what I do is I share what I have learned from some amazing people into my, into my classes, to my clients, to my family, to friends. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's amazing to good. it's amazing to hear that from you because I think when the perception often when we see um, people on Instagram, for example, and, and you know where you're the level that you're at now with um, some of those movements and your hands on alignment and and the 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 level that you've got to, it's often a misconception then, and it's great that 
that you maybe have been doing that for so much longer and you haven't had that background. I think it's really encouraging. And we're having conversations with more and more people that have, you know, like, like we come from a rugby background and, or, you know, you've come from a bodybuilding background and it's actually in the last five, six years that you've changed that up and the improvement that you've made. I think a lot of people listening will be able to really relate with that because a lot of the time those journeys start with, just like yours, you, you saw someone else doing something quite cool and it caught your imagination. Yeah, and a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the time people I uh, think often get put off by starting that process because they think, well, I could never do that because you know, I don't yeah. know I've injured my shoulder doing this, or I've I could never do that because I've got this problem, or they haven't done gymnastics when they're younger. And so I think it's really encouraging to to hear that from you firsthand, and I think people will take a lot of encouragement out of that. Um, which yeah, I think that's it's just a really great start to, to and to, to hear that from your story because I was one of those people that I didn't think your background would have been powerlifting and, and bodybuilding. I'd thought that you'd have been doing um, movement and yoga based stuff uh, for a lot longer than five or six years. So um, that's uh, it, it's it's eye opening and it's also like a I guess I'm giving you like you a massive thumbs up to you like fair mm-hmm. play you because uh, you've made some amazing. I know what it's like to feel like you said feel all tight and and. And, uh, and not being able to open up and move and um, you've, you've, you've obviously made some amazing it'd be great I don't know if you've got any videos of like what you were like before or what you were like at the start of the journey it'd be great to see the difference I think I would probably I might have some photos I don't have any videos because at that time I, you know I didn't even I didn't have Facebook or Instagram yeah. I didn't yeah. have any other thing yeah. I mean social media for me was like non-existent so there was no you, don't, you wouldn't record of anything but I should have some, some photos I guess yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be great to see that. So, Alex, with all, all that in in mind, in terms of your your background, how you grew up in the countryside and outdoor lifestyles, and moving through different forms of training, and now into what you're currently doing around sort of bodyweight training and, and and handstands, what is your philosophy around movement? So, if someone's going to come and learn with you, what what sorts of things are you going to prioritize? How do you see movement? Where are you where what, what gets you really excited and passionate? Um. That is a good question. Um, for me, the most important thing at the moment for myself and the message I want to give to people, uh, I think about longevity. That is priority number one. Uh, I look at the body and see what restrictions there are there and then what the weaknesses are. Uh, um, I look at the body in a, in a way that is like you should be able to push, pull, squat. You need to have a bit of awareness. You need to have some coordination, some rhythm. Mm. Um, you need to be able to, to be tight, to be tense, but at the same time, you need to be able to be soft and loose. Um, I do a lot of uh, tension release. I'm, I'm starting to do some breathing. I do a little bit of juggling for coordination, eye hand coordination. Uh, I do a lot of games with hands, feet, legs. Um, and I do, a, I do a lot of push, pull. Uh, I do squatting, a lot of leg work. Um, and for me, that's pretty much the... the, the what I want to have, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I used to be obsessed with the poses and with particular movements before. Let's say I was obsessed with like a one-arm snap or get, get it from liver. And as, as I get older, I'm thinking like, this is just, you know, this is the goal, which is great. We, we should all have goals. But a goal doesn't always have to be there to be achieved. It could serve as a guidance. Uh, but, and I don't get so stressed about that. I, need, I know that I need to, Pull, I need to push, I need to be squatting, I need to be doing some lunging, some locomotion, some, you know, some movement, some breathing, some, some um, mobility work. Try to get the joints uh, flexible, but at the same time, make them strong 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I was really upset with uh, with back bends uh, when I was to do when I used to do yoga. Uh, now I do back bends maybe maybe once a week. What I try to do now is try to keep my spine very you know very supple that can move. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do now. Now the pose for me, in fact, is no doesn't really mean that much for me anymore. But what I do is is trying to get a movement, trying to get this flow in the spine that stays loose. But at the same time, I do strengthening. So I do tightness, I do hollow body, I do, you know, like a gymnastic train train. So it's like a combination of both of them. And I do believe that that's, that's the way to to go if you're looking for, you know, for longevity, to mm-hmm. have a body that when you are 60, 70, 80, 90, or even 100 years, that you can start still move and still do things. Yeah, it sounds you like know? always. You know, they, they're from Lima and, they, and the one I'm Shinan and all this is gonna go. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's so I was, I was going to ask you about that, Alex. Actually, because I saw a post that you put out about your um, three people who have really influenced your practice and your training. Um, I, I'll let you introduce those people if you if you know the post that I'm referring to. But I was just wondering if what are the key yeah. things that you've sort of learned from from those people who have influenced your career? If you were to take like one or two things from each of those people, like how has that um, how has that shaped? how you see movement and, and, and knowing the list of things I can see from your practice and hearing you talk probably where some of that stuff has, has come from but I think it's really interesting to look at how you've taken a quite a, a fairly varied um, group of practitioners or coaches and you've actually sort of taken parts of those to create your own philosophy uh, yeah uh, the three guys who are again inspiration from is uh, one is Colito Portal who I think is, is just absolutely amazing what he's done to the, to the movement culture in, in the whole planet. He's everything. Uh, he's open mind to, to learn from absolutely everything. He just learned from, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just crazy what he does. Uh, <laughs> I think he does amazing. And I try to follow his, his philosophy because I think he's like him. There is no one here. Um, he's amazing. Um, uh, the other guy who are, the other two guys is um, Coach Hammer, who created a gymnastic ball. You know, his, his work, his quality of the work, he's, he's been in the business for, I think it's about 30 years, 30, 40 years of so his knowledge when it comes to, to gymnastics and training is it, amazing. It's incredible. You know, the scapula work, the, you know, the prehab, wrist, you know, shoulders, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So I do follow his, his stuff. Um, and the other guy is called Miguel Santana, who's done some beautiful handstands. So uh, when he comes to London, we do one-to-one session. And uh, I like him because he's his staff, and uh, he really focuses on the quality of, of the stuff that you do. So it's not really about the, 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 the numbers, but it's how well you do understand. You get that So uh, it's a combination. Oh, those three guys who probably, you know, and also my, my yoga teacher, American, who, who created a foundation of, 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 of what I have at the moment. It's quite challenging to take that generalist approach like Edo in that you aren't, you aren't specialising in anything, you're not specifically pulling in one direction and, and the goals and the objectives around that, it becomes more difficult to quantify. So I think that also reflects very much in, in how you shape your mindset and approach to movement. Um, and I think it's, it's a really interesting challenge, I think, for a lot of people listening, myself included, of, 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 of when you were sort of chasing or going after and pursuing specific movements like a handstand or a, or a front lever, as you mentioned, that, um, to, to bring broaden that practice out and think about just the general movement capacity, especially what we want to do when we are 50, 60, 70 years old. 
Yeah. No, I know, yeah, I, I love that, um, that you brought up that whole, that longevity was almost like the first thing that you brought up as, as what's most important. And it's some of the conversation that me and Tim have had um, quite a lot around what do we want to be like when we're, when we're older? And there is that um, friction between, as you described, wanting to learn a particular movement, say it's a front lever, and then the, the, the reality that when you're... Even if you can do it when you're 50, 60, 70, at some point, your front lever, your single arm pull-up, it's all going to go. So almost, gonna go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, need, you need to be comfortable in yourself and happy with how you, are, how you are as a person, how you're moving, how you're living. And um, that longevity is really important. I remember seeing a, a, a recent post from you that um, had, I think it was just on your stories, actually. It was one of your clients going from um, like the top of a pull-up down into a top front lever and the 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 caption or the comment that you put was that um, something something along the lines of just not just because he's doing a tuck lever regression or progression doesn't mean that you're ever necessarily even want him to do a full front lever it can just be part of the part of the process is a great exercise for the back and and uh, and, and just pulling mechanics with straight arms and I just thought that was uh, really absolutely. nice yeah that is like you just take the principle yeah. and you take the foundation of the movement and you just use it for you to stay healthy, to make sure that your scapula works properly, that your pulling patterns are, are on point. Now, the point is here, if this guy wants to achieve a, a full from liver, he needs to dedicate quite a lot of time yeah. to be able to do that. So what happened? My clients have, let's say, one hour, three, four times a week, sometimes twice a week because they have family, they have a, a, a really busy lifestyle. So I said to them, listen, with the time that you come to the gym, a from liver is going to be pretty much impossible or one I'm hand or one I'm chin up. However, that doesn't mean that you cannot practice the principle of that movement. Yeah. You know, and then slowly, slowly you make, you know, or maybe you don't make any, pro any progress. But at least you're staying in a, in a way that you, you're keeping your body active and, then, and you're keeping your body strong because yeah. those movements are challenging. So you're still doing something. Yeah, I like that you're challenging, you're challenging what success is. So rather than saying um, success is me being able to do this goal, and like you, you did, you mentioned that you know having goals is good and important and there's, there's, there's place for that. But rather than measuring our success of can I do this movement yet, rather than how well am I moving and how, how good is the, my scapular control during this straight arm pulling motion or whatever the, the, the thing you might be on. And I think that's a change in mindset and a change in our thought process. And I think that's actually a really, that's a really positive way or really positive message for people to, um, to take on board. Because I think there'll be a lot of people out there, we're the same, like there's certain things we want to be able to do that we can't do yet. And sometimes you get stuck in a bit of a rut of wondering whether you're ever going to be able to do the, the things that you're trying to work on. And yeah. every, everyone listening will have, because, have one of those <laughs> things, yeah. It's because we focus too much on the end result. Yes. And we forget that the juice is between the process. That's where the juice is. That's where the, where the learning is. That's, that's where we get the most out of it. When we focus too much in the end result, we, what happens if we never get there? We're going to have a, a miserable life because we're thinking about, I need to get it, I need to get it, I need to get it. This is like, yes. It's important to have a goal or to have something to look at, but I think it's, it's wrong when you get so obsessed with that result yeah. and that you forget you, you forget to live the now. Like, you know, now, if I'm going to do 
let's say I'm gonna do some locomotion today. You know, I go to the flow, I play around, do 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 do, and then I don't I don't really care much about the outcome. I just do it because I know I'm doing something something that my body feels good, that is good for my for my longevity or for my movement or for my joints or for my you know. So as long as it is good, then that's why what it should matter rather than. I need to be able to do it. I need to be able to do it. You yeah. just get too obsessive with with with, uh, with gold. Yeah. Well, one of those one of those part of that process is we're going to have to also because you've touched on it a couple of times. As part of that process, we need to accept that even when you get <laughs> to the point that you can do it, there's going to be another point in life when you can't do it anymore because you've got too old. Ab- ab- so it's it, absolutely. <laughs> it's an interesting paradox to work between. Alex, we wanted to sort of dive into some conversation around handstands. Um, so just a real simple question. If you've got someone coming to you for day one, they, they're like you were five, six years ago. They've seen some legs in the air and they fancy having a go at some <laughs> handstands. Um, how do you start them off and what are your key tips for people who, who are getting started? And then what are the mistakes that you see people making in those early days of just trying to and get, on, get on the go of their handstand journey? Um. The biggest mistake that people do when they start to do handstands is that they are doing an inversion. It's actually no, it might be easy for some people who are strong, but depending on how they do it, is, is what the problems are. If they're doing a handstand with old, always a banana handstand where they're compressing the lumbar spine, where they have internal rotation, where the scapula is depressed, where the, the mechanics of the movement are not correct, then the, the, the risk of injury is, is, is greater and the efficiency of the movement is less because it's a very linear movement. So there's some principle that you need to apply on how can your body be very efficient at doing this particular movement. It's very linear, you know, it's not like dancing. Dancing is another story because there is not very much wrong or right. You, you know, you move how you feel. Doing a handstand, there is a way of doing it properly. So the biggest problem that people do is they just keep on kicking up against the wall. Without, without doing any preparation on the wrist, uh, trying to get uh, mobile shoulders and trying to have some awareness of the pelvis, which is the biggest problem when we do handstand, that when we're up and down, we don't know what the pelvis is doing. Is it posterity? Yeah. Is it anterior? Is it on a pike? So not having that awareness is gonna make the handstand harder. Not having enough strain on the wrist because you're gonna have 100% of your body went into the race. If it's no condition to keep that weight, you're going to get hurt. Also, not having the flexibility on the shoulder to be able to keep your hands um, vertical to 180 degrees without thoracic spine extension, that's going to stop you as well from making a, a decent handstand. So I would say um, it could be lack of understanding and lack of preparation. Yeah. Also, people just want to kick up and you get a handstand straight away. It takes time to be able to do a, a decent handstand. It's hard work. Yeah, I think you, you, what you said before about focusing too much on the end goal, that can sometimes be the case, can't it? But we're, we're so desperate to do the end thing. Like you said to us about your first ever um, uh, session with the, the handstand guy, you did 75 minutes and you only did 10 minutes of handstands at the end because actually, <laughs> all, as you just, to use your word, the juice, the juicy stuff and, and the learning happens in all that preparation work. And I got one, I had one specific question for you that came that we get asked quite a lot and we see with people. Um, and I had a message from a guy the other week um, who uh, he'd been to one of our workshops and he was still petrified of going upside down when kicking up against 
against the wall and I can't remember how many weeks it took him to get there but he'd, he'd done his first kick up against the wall and he was absolutely buzzing about oh, it um, and you, you and it, that, that's my whole point yes and that is like a wow exactly that amazing at that moment that moment is probably it's so it's so amazing that moment when you go up like oh my god I did this one you know yeah. uh, what, what happened after that you see so, okay. CR is CR is, is is what holds people from, from becoming better. Fear is, for me, fear is, is, is the enemy number one. Yeah. Because it just holds us back, holds. It just, it just doesn't let you be yourself. So I would say any skill that you want to learn, anything that you want to learn in life, find a professional. You know, pay someone to, yeah. to advise you. But there, are some, there, is, there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there who, who do things without having a very good understanding of what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I say to myself, I, I am no a hand balancer. I am no a gymnast. I am no a yoga teacher. I'm none of those persons. Yeah. However, I have spent a lot of time doing handstands, doing it from, a, from a, an adult, you know? Yes. So I know the whole process. I know <laughs> the mistake that people do because I made them all. I did handstand for two years and I did I didn't go anywhere. The progress was known, like maybe like five second banana. <laughs> so I know all the mistakes. And then I pay some people, some amazing people. I have trained with some people who train for Cirque du Soleil, uh, professional hand balances. And uh, I, I paid, you know, and they, they told me, you know, yeah. uh, they told me many things, but I didn't get everything they, they told me because they were a few things that I was thinking like, mm, you know what, this is maybe not important. And I just take what is useful to me and I share it. And I said to the people, listen, you know, they are, go and see, go and train with different teachers because everyone is going to teach you something. And, and every time you train with someone, something is going to click and something is going to click. And then you start forming yourself a, a, with a good round knowledge of what you want to learn. Yeah, but no, I, I, I always say that. Just go and train with different people. Everyone, everyone has something to, to teach. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and some, some teachers say, no, no, you cannot train with that. You have to train only with me. You have to train only with me. I mean, how, how selfish can that be? <laughs> For me, that, that's really selfish. Yeah, how yeah. You are the best teacher. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's impossible. I don't think there is a best, best teacher for anything. Different teachers bring different things to us in yeah. a different way. But I wouldn't believe that there is the best, the best of anything. No, definitely. A rounded approach is always best. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. I do, what, one other question I had um, for you. You mentioned then you mentioned a, a five-second banana handstand. Then after two years, um, and one of your, uh, I guess one of your philosophies. It's in your Instagram bio that says uh, no quick fixes, which I think is always a, is a good. Uh, um, a good message for people to hear because too often this day and age we want we want to we get asked people think that there's some sort of magic bullet what's the one thing they're not <laughs> doing to make their muscle up work or the handstand work or what it is but um if you had to <laughs> the question was around um so you've i've seen some plenty of stuff from you around um fixing your you, you know the process you went through to fixing your own um handstand from that banana shape to being you know beautifully straight is the only way you can describe your your handstand now and uh, what would you be if we've got if people are listening and they know that they're a bit bananaed and they want to straighten that up what would be sort of your your top tips um we we understand there's no quick fixes but what would be sort of your top tips for people if they wanted to try and improve the straightness of their handstand um i would say um the shoulders the 
from where well, I have been teaching handstand maybe for two years, and 99.9% of the people who have banana handstand is because the flexibility on the shoulders is bad. Now, yeah. if you want to do a straight handstand, you should have, not you should, you must have 180 degrees of shoulder flexion yeah. without moving your thoracic spine. So the thoracic spine is to be into flexion, and then so the, the, the shoulder flexion comes from the shoulders, yeah. not from the spine. Yep. So this is different. This is different between 180 degrees of shoulder flexion and doing 100, 180 degrees of shoulder flexion with thoracic spine extension. Yeah. So there is a difference between both of them, and that's why that's a mistake that we 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 do because I did it for three years. I didn't understand. I did so much shoulders, but my shoulder was moving my spine. Yeah, yeah. So if that happens, I mean, it cannot be straight. It cannot be physically straight unless you have someone to push your shoulders and just spine into, into being a, in a, a vertical position. So that's mistake number one. And, and number two is uh, the pelvis awareness. They have no clue. They have no clue what posterior tilt or anterior tilt or a pike, which is um, different. I, I mean, you can have your pelvis into posterior tilt and you can do hip flexion or hip extension as well. Or yeah. you can have your hips into the anterior tilt and you can do hip flexion and hip extension because there are two things, the, the hip joint and the pelvis are two different things. So it's, it's, people don't, don't understand the difference between both of them. So you need to have your, your hip joint open, straight, and the pelvis needs to be into posterior And that's pretty much a straight line. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we are actually, it's interesting you mentioned about the the national circus, Alex. Right at the start, I was there on Saturday doing some um, a little bit of a, a workshop thing with some of the guys. And one of the drills, which is is exactly to your point, um, that we did in the handstand section of the day was around being upside down against the wall when you've built the confidence and and you've conquered the fear of getting into that position, but then actually giving yourself the opportunity in a stable shape where you can rely on the wall to actually go through some movement. So can I flex and point my my toes or my ankles? Um, can of bend the knee one at a time bring the back on but as, as you say yeah. so importantly can you then also like um tilt the pelvis posteriorly and anteriorly because being upside down and having an awareness of what that feels like but in a stable shape is a really important part of going okay i've got to teach the body what position i want to be in and i need to expose yeah, it to a place absolutely. where i'm upside down so like you say first off you do standing then we go to the floor lie down and then let's take people upside down and start to feel the sorts of shapes because the central nervous system needs some reference doesn't it, it needs some context if it knows what it's going to do when you're actually upside down and you haven't got the wall for support um, and I think it just broadens out that understanding and awareness or kinesthetic awareness so yeah they're great points I think for people to work on um, the last question we're going to finish up on with this one Alex was um, our, our strap line is redefine your impossible and you'll have been there from, from listening to your story where Jacko and I started calisthenics we had um, no background and we we um, apart from just some strength training and we a lot of the stuff that we tried to do right at the beginning we just felt impossible uh, but over time we've sort of understood how to unpick those movements and we've done a few things that have uh, that have meant that we have now redefined our impossible what is the impossible that you're working on what what is it that you've got a goal or something that you want to work towards which feels a little bit sort of scary or intimidating you don't know if you can do it but you're gonna you're gonna embark on the process to see if you can be successful no, this is a good question. <laughs> You're talking about in a, in, a, in a physical aspect of the practice or in general, in life in general? Uh, give me one of each. Let's go both. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's really, really hard one. Let's go to my practice. Um, 
Oh, man, there are a few things that, you know, I would say... I would like to be able to relax more. I, I still hold a lot of tension in my body. Mm-hmm. For example, is when, when I do some juggling, I still tense. So there's something that I, w- I want to be really able to just be boom. Like, if I need to be 100% relaxed, I want to be able to do it straight away. Yeah. I want to be able to be like super tight to do a muscle up with a straight body or a, a bagly or a family, whatever. I would like to be able to do that. Like, you switch from one to the other without thinking. Like, have, um, let's call it much more awareness of my body. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. You know, that is something that I, I struggle with sometimes. I hold a lot of tension, probably because I, I work a lot and I have big responsibilities, a family, you know, mortgage and this. It, it could be some of that. It mm. could be, you know. So I would like to be able to just, you know, hence I'm doing a lot of uh, uh, breathing work now. I'm doing some box breathing. I'm going to be doing some breathing in the cold water. I'm trying to experiment all the things of, of see if he can uh, bring something. Um, I'm sure it will bring something very healthy to my body, but I'm in the process of, of doing that. So I'll try to switch from, from one side to the other side. Great. That would be interesting for me. Great. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one, especially some of the practices that, you, that you're engaged in of, of, of having that, that awareness. I know when I see people like Ido Portal move and some of the people that he's worked with, he has that. He can create tension very quickly to go and do some incredible acrobatics, but he can also be very loose and floaty at the same time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I think, something which takes some practice. And you, it can sound very simple, but that's a very difficult thing to actually do, to have control of, oh, of, the, of those two states. And, uh, and because, again, we want to get things very quickly. We change even more. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's learning how to disconnect from the tension. You know, okay, be there. Yeah. No. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. No, it's, that's uh, it's awesome, uh, Alex. And um, just from us, thank you for um, for your time to, to, to come on the podcast, share uh, your story, which, you know, we found fascinating. I'm sure that, that everyone that's uh, been, been listening will have as well. And, taken away some of the great tips and advice that you've you've given in terms of the practical side of it but also in terms of mentally uh, I think that hearing you know yourself to speak about where what your background was like and how you've gone through it and the way you think about training strength and movement now um, is really going to help people uh, you know open up little uh, nuggets in people's minds and open their eyes to um, to help them a little bit further just get nudged that little step further along their own journey and, and to help form and broaden their own sort of philosophy on how what their training is like and what success looked like to them so really thank you um, for that if, so Alex if, Nino thank you so much for your time we really appreciate you hanging out with us and sharing some of your knowledge and wisdom that you've accumulated over your years of practice and leaves nothing else to say apart from until next week Classic terminada.